0: One thing I think that pushed me quite a lot was my English teacher. She always made us write these essays in in school when we were like 13, 14, 15. She made us do these every year. And the title of the essay is, Where Do I See Myself in 10 Years? And every single year I'd write something crazy. Like, hey, I would have a company in in California to have 100 employees. I'd be staring at the ceiling thinking about all these essays. I remember if I took this path of going to university and taking this job, all those essays would just be like completely out the window.
1: John McElhone, CEO and co-founder of CropSafe. CropSafe helps farmers gain insight into their crops using satellite imagery and machine learning to accurately detect and predict diseases and contamination. In this episode, we talk about growing up with your co-founder, being scared of a traditional path, and the right balance of ignorance. I'm Maureen Taylor, and this is Think Like a Founder. A lot of people out there just love the idea of what you're about. I mean, CropSafe, that's what you do. You help farmers. Tell us a little bit about the company. Myself
0: and my co-founder started CropSafe end of high school, really. We've known each other since we were like 13 or something like that. And we both grew up on small farms. And CropSafe kind of started as a, a high school project that we just built together. It wasn't really meant to be a company or a startup at all. We just built it for ourselves and our neighbors to use because we realized that there was so much new agricultural software coming onto the market, but all of our neighbours were asking us how to use this new piece of software or we were getting text of, how do I set this up on my farm? And it never really made sense to us why farmers were having to interpret satellite images from NASA or the European Space Agency. Farmers aren't data scientists. So we started CropSafe to act as an interpretation engine for all this complicated data. It's basically just a mobile app, and it's kind of like a, an eye in the sky. On your farm without having to implement any sort of hardware or tractors or soil sensors. If you already have a soil sensor or a weather station on your farm, CropSafe can connect up to it. So we see CropSafe more so as kind of like an operating system for your farm rather than another piece of software. It acts as a connector for all the technology on your farm and it pulls in satellite data, weather station data. So if you have a weather station, you don't have to look at the temperature metrics, you just have to say, okay. What's crop safe saying today? And CropSafe says, hey, you should harvest your crops today, or you should spray your crops today, or your irrigation has a problem, you have to go fix it. Or just tell farmers straight up, hey, there's possible blight in field number fourteen. This is what you have to do next.
1: Okay, so this is too cool. So in field fourteen, what is it that you could tell them from what you saw? For example?
0: We could tell a farmer, hey, in the south corner of field number fourteen, we've detected that there's high possible conditions for blight. whatever, and give them exact location and steps they can do to fix that problem. Instead of a farmer having to look at an Excel sheet of 500 numbers, we just say, okay, this is what's happening and this is what's going to happen next.
1: And then this app is connected to satellites, and the satellites are always checking up on what's going on. Now, you knew really early that you did want to be a founder. At least you knew that you didn't want to work for somebody else.
0: Yeah, ever since I was a kid, I just built in small web projects or mobile apps. And just kind of figured, like, why couldn't I do this myself? Or why couldn't I be my own boss? Because I figured, like, when you have a boss, you always have this, like, ceiling limiter of what you can achieve. You manage a team of, like, five people or whatever. But when you're your own boss and you build your own websites and mobile apps, if you have a vision to launch your mobile app to 100 million people, the only person that's going to stop you is yourself. So that's why I enjoy being my own boss.
1: Well, your parents... Entrepreneurs, I
0: would say so. Yeah, particularly my dad. He grew up in Ireland around the Troubles. He came out to the U.S. to kind of escape the Troubles, and he started his own garage in in Los Angeles. It did pretty well, and then he started one in in San Francisco, and then he moved back to Ireland once he had my older sister and me and my younger sister because he just thought Ireland was a, a better place to raise us.
1: Ireland is a beautiful place. There's no Absolutely. doubt about it. Yes. After leaving school you found that there was a lot less structure, which is great. And you kind of ran away from school, and it was the day after you finished high school that you walked to the airport and got on a plane and flew away. How did that happen?
0: I wasn't allowed to leave school until I finished my last exam. So I remember like two hours after I finished my last exam, I booked the next available flight, Aer Lingus, a 6 a.m. flight the next day from Dublin to, to San Francisco, I never actually opened my exam results to see what universities I got into. I still don't know if I actually made it into university or not, but I'm kind of happy in a way. But yeah, I flew out to San Francisco. I got a job working at a summer camp at Stanford University because they gave me a dorm, and at that time I had like $20 in my bank account and I couldn't afford San Francisco rent. So yeah, I stayed there for a bit and kind of hopped around different opportunities. (music) ¶¶
1: How did you start to actually then get something going? How did you know that you were going to connect this project from high school to an actual business?
0: We started getting a lot more people asking to use it. At that point it was just like a project. We just expected like us and our neighbors to use it, but more people started asking to use it and more and more people. And then we kind of realized there was like some sort of demand outside the five square mile radius of our town. So we, yeah, we built out another version of it and we've been doing that ever since.
1: And even though you've had lots of projects, this one is the one that caught your attention. And it's basically because people liked it, needed it, wanted it, found use for it. And that's what made you keep going with it.
0: Yeah, it was very easy to see the multiple of impact. The amount of hours I put into maybe coding a new feature might be like 10 hours, for example, but that might save... A hundred farmers, ten thousand hours across the world, and I saw, always thought that multiple was really interesting to watch, because like all of the other projects I've built, other projects that have went out to millions of people, but I see more impact long term within building crop safe because you you call the farmers and you ask them how they they're using and how they're getting on, and I think that's one of my favorite things to do every morning is like look at our map of where our users are, and there's a few new users popping up in Iowa or California, and you just watch what they're doing, and it's really really fun.
1: That's really cool. Now, you've known your co founder since you were 13. And as you build your team, you also think the people that you hire should be people that you want to be with forever. Tell us about that.
0: If you're going to work with somebody, hire somebody, or they're your co founder or some sort of employee, I think you should always hire them with the intention that you're going to work with them for the rest of your life. Even though that you know that's not going to be true, you're probably going to work with them like a much shorter period, you have to always have that assumption. You can't really take any shortcuts when you hire people. You should be super strict because it's not like the strategy that builds your company. It's the people, and like the mixture of the people is what the final end product or the final end company. Still figuring out things when when I'm hiring people, but that's that's how I go off right now.
1: I think that being a co-founder is very similar to a marriage, or I mean, it's a relationship that's quite significant. And you have to really trust the person. And knowing somebody since you were 13 is great. At least you know the character. What's the biggest stumble that you've encountered together and overcome it with him?
0: I wouldn't say so much like as a stumble. I'd say like adapting wise, it's kind of around a remote working in a way. Because me and Mihal, we went to school together. We saw each other every single day. We were in the same room with each other for like eight hours a day pretty much for six seven years and then all of a sudden not anymore i think that's one thing we've learned to do really well out of necessity is remote working he's on the other side of the planet right now we've adapted that quite well i think it's a big hurdle we had to get over
1: that sounds like that's a great thing to be able to have somebody like that especially trust because that's so hard and so to start out with that foundation is just fabulous who in your life do you look up to and think of as somebody that is cool to follow to build a business.
0: What I'm doing right now, I think it's a lot down to my parents. My parents did a a good job kind of shaping me when I was younger and showed me all the different opportunities of what I was able to do, like I could not go to college if I didn't want to or didn't have to take a job straight out of high school or go to college uh, um, if I didn't want to and they showed me those opportunities which I'm, I'm grateful for. You got into trouble when you were
1: in school. You're a little bit
0: of a troublemaker. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't really the best student. Yeah, in like English class, I'd always be building websites. And remember I got called into the principal's office because I was, I was writing some code. I don't, I still don't think it was like a bad thing. I was writing code and then teacher saw me. And of course, the next day in the morning, John, we want to see you in the principal's office. I'm like, oh, no. And then I go into the office and there's like the principal, my head of year, the ICT technician, my forum teacher all sitting there and like, saw you hacking in an English class, but... We eventually got to the bottom of it. I wasn't hacking. I was just building a website, just coding something, but good memories.
1: You talk about the difference between a secure career path, which I think a lot of people, parents, train their kids to do that, versus the founder, co-founder life of risk. Elaborate.
0: Obviously, when you are building your own company, there's every uncertainty or every, like, path you end up taking is down to you rather than down to your teacher or down to your boss or down to your manager. At the end of high school, I had a scholarship offer and a job offer to basically put me through college for free with a $100,000. And obviously, that would be the safe path. If I took that, I'd have a job straight out of high school, get a college degree and Set for like the next 10, 15, 20 years. But that's something that really scared me, even though that was like something that was kind of a privilege to get back home because everybody kind of follows a similar path of going to university. You do that anyway. Kind of felt really weird to me because one thing I think that pushed me quite a lot was my English teacher. She always made us write these essays in, in school when we were like 13, 14, 15. She made us do these every year. And the title of the essay is Where do I see myself in 10 years? And every single year, I'd write something crazy. Like, hey, I would have a company in in California to have 100 employees, building all this crazy stuff. Like, at the time, it kind of sounded a bit crazy, but it was nothing that was impossible. I remember, like, sitting in my exams. You'd always finish them early, because they give you, like, three hours to do this exam. And I'd be staring at the ceiling, thinking about all these essays that my English teacher had us write. And, like, in the essays, I remember... If I took this path of going to university and taking this job, all those essays would just be completely out the window. I wouldn't be able to accomplish any of it. But if I took this other path of a flight going to San Francisco, trying out the company, then it would be possible that I could make my 13-year-old, 14-year-old self happy and accomplish what I wrote three years prior. My English teacher was a big influence on that as wow. well.
1: gen z and so being young can be a disadvantage lots of people think what do you think
0: i can only speak from my experience i used to think that being young was kind of a disadvantage but that was at the very start before i actually started my company and actually started building something but as i started building stuff i started to realize like how much an advantage of being young actually was everybody wants to help you everybody's rooting for you you can always ask people for help and they're not going to be like, hey, no, you got to go through this process or you have to work for us or you have to pay this much. Everybody wants to help younger people succeed. And I think another benefit of being younger and not having a lot of experience is that you don't follow traditional path of what's previously been done because you don't have experience. I think that's sometimes a good thing. Take somebody that's been in the industry for maybe like 30, 40 years or so. They're doing processes the same. It always has been done. But I think with startups in particular, the startups that are successful are the ones that kind of take a slightly different path than the 50 other bunches. And I think younger people have a a better sense of that because they don't have that experience in the market of knowing what's always been done. They just think of it their way and realize, hey, these guys are doing it completely wrong and it shouldn't be how it is. So I think being young is probably one of the biggest advantages that a young person can have.
1: When you think of somebody, you think of that person who's sitting out there right now and they don't know if they should try or they're, or maybe they are being pressured to you know go to school and do the right thing and all that kind of stuff and but they really have a great idea what advice would you give to them i
0: think your time is obviously your your most valuable asset and i think if you make decisions in a way that this is a safer bet you have to kind of take a way off and say hey would you rather take a safer bet that you have a higher chance of not enjoying or would you rather take a riskier bet and spend your time doing something you absolutely love. I think that's something we have to be a bit more careful of, of how we spend our time. Because that's you can have everything else in the world, but the one thing you can't have more of is time. But you have to have the right balance. Because I know a lot of people that work 24-7 on their companies. And one thing that I've come to learn is you have to kind of give your brain like some sort of thinking time. Because when you're working on a task, from like 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. and then you go to bed and then you work on another task from 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. You don't give your, your brain time to process of like what you've actually done and how to make decisions. So like one thing I do every day is just like go for a cycle for two hours and it gives me time to think about what to do next and how to manage the team or what we're not doing right. I think that's important.
1: Resilience and grit, something we talk a lot about, that sticking to it without being stupid, following through, not giving up, any words of wisdom to your audience on resilience and grit.
0: I think having the right balanced amount of ignorance in a way is a good thing. I know it kind of sounds a bit strange to start off, but when you first start out, you're obviously going to get an awful lot of people tell you, "Hey, the safer best to take this university course or learn about something else first But in reality, no matter like how far along your journey is, you're always going to get people like that whether you're just starting out or whether you're like 20 years into your journey. So yeah, I think if you have the right balanced amount of ignorance and just kind of moving forward with what you want to do, I think that's a good thing. And don't put limiters on yourself because one thing I notice is when I talk to kids or talk to younger students on on what I've done, like questions I get all the time or I really want to start this new website but I don't know how to code or I really want to start this new animation studio or I don't know how to animate or design – But like every single time, my answer is always the same of just Google it. Everything's online. There's nothing stopping you apart from yourself. It's on your mobile phone. You can do it in five seconds. How do I learn to code? Or how do I learn design? How do I learn to animate? The knowledge of being able to create the most successful company on the planet is in the palm of your hand. Ten years ago, that wasn't possible. It's the best time in the world to do what you you really want to do now, I think.
1: That was John McElhone, CEO and co-founder of CropSafe. CropSafe uses satellite data to help farmers make smarter decisions for their farms. You can learn more by going to CropSafe.io. I'm Maureen Taylor. Thanks for listening. Series producer is Mike Sullivan. Sound design by Mark Reed. Content and scripting by Jacelyn Drown and Catherine Hardy. Production coordinator is Natasha Thomas. Thanks also to Selena Persiani-Shell, John Hughes, and Ren Barra.